If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're heartbroken and all the pieces of yourself are shattered and they're on the floor, what you get to do is you get to pick up each one individually and turn it over and look at it and think, do I want this? Does this make me the person that I want to be? Shall I put it back in or shall I discard it? And you pick up all the pieces and you put the pieces back that you want and you leave the pieces that no longer serve you or that you don't want and you leave them out and you get to build back you and your life in a very different way. And I always think that's such a brilliant opportunity. Hi and welcome to another season of Alonement, the podcast about the time you spend alone and why it matters. I'm your host, Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It, and a former extreme extrovert who, a few years ago, discovered the life-changing power of taking some time to myself. On this show, I interview fascinating people who can give inspiration and practical advice on how to make your alone time the best it can be. Because when alone time isn't lonely, it's alonement. So this week on the show, I have poet, BBC radio presenter and author Selma Alwadani. Selma's debut novel, These Impossible Things, has been a breakout hit It was a book club pick on the Today Show in the States, and it's a novel about friendship, identity, and growing up. The plot centers around three British Muslim women and best friends who fall out one night, and their lives fall apart as a result. Salma has also written movingly about the value of solitude, including a beautiful blog post called Solo Life and Self-Love in 2019, which I'll be asking about later in the show. Before we get to the episode, I want to give a big shout out to this season's sponsor, Flashpack, a travel company for solo travellers in their 30s and 40s, providing boutique group adventures all around the world. There's trips to Bali, Morocco, Sri Lanka, Japan, the world is your oyster. I've been working with Flashpack since the beginning of this year, and last April I had the chance to experience one of their adventures for myself, travelling the hotspots of Colombia. I made so many new friends, many of whom I'm still in touch with, and had the kind of colourful, memorable experiences I'd been craving for the past couple of years of lockdown, including salsa dancing, boat trips, and eating delicious South American cuisine. What's incredible about going away with Flashpack is that you get the best of both worlds. Wonderful company, if you'd like it, and the ease of having someone else sort out the logistics, but also the independence of choosing where and when you'd like to have an adventure. 
If you'd like to experience a flashback holiday for yourself, they've provided an exclusive discount offer to all Alonement listeners. Quote the code ALONEMENT to give you £100 off your dream trip today. Salma, it is so great to have you on today. Thank you for having me here. It's lovely to be here with you. Oh, thank you for coming on. I really hope that um, you come on this season because I've been seeing all the brilliant things you've been doing <laughs> around your book release. So great to be sort of virtually face to face. Yeah. And my first question as ever is, what does the word alone mean to you? I think for me, alone means being by yourself completely and means being happy about that and enjoying and lusting after being alone that alone time I think there's differences between being alone and being lonely and for me being alone is something that you look forward to that you are excited about it's something that you want to do when you've been socializing with your friends all day and you're looking forward to the end of the day when you get to be alone and you're by yourself and all the noise stops and everything quietens around you and you just get to hear your own thoughts and you get to listen to your own thoughts that for me is is what being alone is Mm, I love that being described in terms of a lust for being alone. I've never heard it put that way, but that's fantastic. And um, so what is it? You said that you just um, described, for instance, that situation where you've been around friends all day. What do you think is it that creates that perfect situation of lust for spending that time alone? I think there's a fair bit of work that you have to do on yourself to get there because you have to recognize that we live in a society that pushes you to be around people constantly. We don't, especially for women, we don't advocate women being alone. You have to be with friends and you have to be popular and then you have to be out and and then you have to be in love and then you have to be married. Then you have to be around kids. So the general narrative when it comes to women is that you're always surrounded by other people. And we don't actively encourage women to not go into relationships or to not get married because actually our entire narrative is to drive women to that point. Right. And so there's a fair bit of work that you have to do to detangle all of that and get through all of that. And then when you do that beautiful space that you can reach that I've reached many a times and continue to do so of actually there is real value in being by myself. And it gives me something and it gives me something that I can't get anywhere else. And I don't need to be running to meet up with someone or to be in someone else's company. And that actually There is something here for you that you haven't been able to access elsewhere. And that for me is one of the biggest things about it. And I think we can get so much from our alone time and from our alone years as well, that perhaps is very undervalued. And we don't really talk about that that much. And I have loved it, ached for it, craved for it and and wanted it so badly you know I'm someone who's incredibly social and I am by probably all dictionary definitions an extrovert and I can be out and I can be out with friends and I can go for coffee and then for dinner and then meet another friend for supper and you know as a poet as well I'm on a stage a lot of the time performing and I'm constantly talking to people as a broadcaster as well so everything that I do is very extroverted and it's a huge outpouring of energy that goes out into the world very regularly but if I don't get alone time 
I will start to fray around the edges. I will start to unravel. I, I, I become undone. You know, I remember when I was living with my old flatmate years ago, she said, you, your head goes to a bad space if you don't get alone time. If you have spent too much time engaging with the rest of the world and you haven't spent enough time with yourself, you your head gets to a dark space. So for me, it's recognizing the value of being alone and what it gives you and then actively seeking that out and knowing when you need it. Can we just give a shout out to your old flatmates there? Because I don't think anyone, <laughs> anyone ever says that. People say, oh, you need to call someone up. Or yeah. it's amazing hearing her recommend alonement effectively. Basically, yeah. I mean, we lived together for five and a half years. So we knew each other pretty well. And she just recognized that when I when I was socializing too much, I wasn't spending enough time by myself, that it was it was never, never the right feeling in the house. <laughs> oh god that's remarkably perceptive and I think you know something we'll get on to later a big theme of your book the value of, of friendship I think that one of the biggest gifts you can give as a friend is being able to almost I don't know like facilitate someone's alone time in that way right and actively encourage it as well and because I think there would be lots of people who would want to spend time alone but are quite scared at the idea or the prospect and haven't done it before and thinks, oh, well, if I'm spending time by myself instead of choosing to go out with my friends, am I a social recluse or am I being moody? Do I need to snap out of it? Should I just get on with it? You know, I think actually having someone that goes, do you know what? Just go spend some time by yourself. It's going to be really good for you. It's no bad Mm. thing. I think it's a lovely thing. Well, shout out to her, the uh, unsung hero of this uh, of this episode. That's that's great. You mentioned alone time almost in a sort of gender context earlier. That as women, we are encouraged, particularly, uh, to be around other people. That trajectory of you know being popular, being amongst friends, being married, being among kids, uh, and and that's really interesting. I, I do think there's so much in what you're saying there. I wonder also in terms of uh, your, you know, growing up as a woman and also growing up within the Muslim community. I, you know, I I come from a Jewish community. I get that everything is based around rituals, you know, being sort of not necessarily in the place of worship, but certainly at the at the parties and at the, you know, the this and the that. It is all based around communal activity. How did that shape or affect your journey towards learning to value this alone time? yourself yeah that's a really interesting thought because the very basis of community is people coming together so when you are with your community whether that's your local community or your religious community there isn't the general narrative of you should all spend some time by yourself because that's kind of the opposite of what we're doing here in this space where we come together as community so I don't think I ever got it from my Muslim community growing up and there is a narrative and I think there's this narrative in all faith communities of any religion that you get from the older aunties of when are you going to get married you know when are you going to settle down are you you know so there is a narrative coming from within that faith community that is pushing you towards another human which is the opposite of alone so I don't think I got it from there I definitely got it from my mum my mum likes to be alone and she likes to go off by herself a lot and I remember you know she would she would leave me and my brother at home with my dad and she would go to the cinema by herself. She really liked to do that. And then she would walk home at night from the cinema because she likes to walk alone and she got a lot of value or time that she needed away from kids and being a mum and 
looking after the household and doing all the planning. I would remember when I was young, it would be late and she still wouldn't be back yet. And I would be worried because I have an overactive imagination. There was nothing to worry about. But I would know my mum was walking home and that she hadn't got a bus or, I mean, we couldn't afford taxis. So she wasn't going to get a taxi. We didn't have a car. So it was kind of public transport or walk. And I used to sit up and wait until I heard her come home before I would then fall asleep because I would I would be worried about her. And I, I remember saying something to my mum about it, but she said, she said, I walk home because I love it. And, and I, I saw that growing up. I saw my mum constantly and actively going to do things that she enjoyed by herself and then spending time walking home from those activities by herself. She didn't want my dad to meet her. She didn't want to get on a bus. She didn't want someone to drive her there. She wanted to do those things alone because she got something from it. And so I saw that. And like I grew into a woman who goes to the cinema by myself and I love cinema trips by myself I love walking by myself I love traveling the world by myself and I think my mum plays a huge part in that in seeing that and my granny as well you know all the years that I've known my granny she has been you know a woman alone living alone and not with um, husband and kids had obviously grown up and had their own lives and she was a woman who traveled the world alone and she is a huge mountain climber and went on all these hikes in the Lake District alone up these mountains. And I saw that in two generations of women in my family and thought, oh, that looks like a good thing to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think we do learn these things by osmosis. And I think, you know, naturally we'll sort of look at the parent that, you know, we share a gender with and sort of think, okay, that's a model of how to behave, I suppose. Right. So that's so interesting to hear it was sort of modeled for you as young, young girl. Yeah, it really was. And I, as I got older, I really learned how good it was because I would talk to my girlfriends who would say things like, I would never travel alone or I would never go to the cinema by myself. And I would look at them and think, I wonder why you wouldn't, but I would. And then I realized that actually, well, I had these women in my life who were off doing it all the time and showed me that it was a completely normal thing to do and you could do it. Whereas I think a lot of my girlfriends didn't have that. And it definitely shaped how they engaged with the world. Mm, mm. And also, you know, I think when people will say with almost sort of a necessary sort of intervention, you know, oh, I'd never do that. I'd never do this. I hear from that. I hear I have fear around doing that. And, I, you know, I think maybe the reason I hear that is because I never used to understand it either. Yeah. And there is fear around it. If you're unsure or you've never done it before, or you've never seen an example of about it before, and you're balancing your safety as well as a woman and, you know, or how it might look as a woman alone. And go, I love going, I love taking myself out for dinner. You know, I've taken myself for some great meals and some great meals uh, around the world when I've been visiting various cities and traveling by myself. And again, the same thing from girlfriends. Oh my God, I would never go to a restaurant by myself because how would that look? And what would that make me? Am I then a sad woman that no one wants to love? You know, there's there's so many really damaging kind of societal norms that have fed into our perception of what it is to be alone. Mm, mm, it's, um, God, yeah, it's so gendered, isn't it? Everything screams at us, don't be an old maid by yourself. Whereas men can be bachelors by themselves because that's actually a really sexy thing to be. But if you're an old maid, you're dried up, you're on the shelf and you're no good and you don't have worth. And so when that is the dominant narrative in our society, which it is, regardless of faith, culture, the narrative for women is the biggest measure of success that you can have is to be in a marriage and be a mother 
that is what success is for women in our society still to this day. And so when that's the narrative that is drummed into you from, from when you're a little girl, then of course you don't want to be by yourself or be alone because then you failed at the fundamental thing that you were supposed to do. Mm. You know, the irony, I think, sometimes is that in practice, I think we're at a time where as women, it is easier to be single, to find joy and meaning and sort of what I refer to as emotionships, emotional mm. friendships, emotional connections. When you're outside of a relationship, it's easier for women than men. Even if we have this narrative about what one should do, the practice, I don't know, I almost feel quite privileged in a way, despite the pressures. Yeah, it's never been so good, right? When I look at my mum and I look at my granny, you know, they they never had it as good as we had it. Things are still so far behind and there's still so much work to do. But when I look at my granny, for example, she didn't have the ability or the financial independence to be living in a major city by herself, doing what she wanted, traveling when she wanted, not raising kids and not choosing to be married and have kids and having and enjoying that freedom and the time that she could spend cultivating female friendships because you know, she wasn't knee deep in nappies raising children. You know, she didn't have it the way we have it. And I think that's remarkable. And I always say to younger women, hold on to it. Hold on to it for as as long as you can, that alonement and that single status, which is not me being a kind of dead, cold-hearted romantic or anything, but I just think there is such value in being alone and it's what a time to do it. You used a phrase earlier saying uh, your alone years, which I quite liked. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, you didn't say your single years, you said your alone years. And I think that there's a, I, don't know, I suppose, almost the seeds of that in the blog that you wrote in 2019 that I was reading before we came on, when you talk about how, you know, a period of, of singleness and a period of heartbreak, um, you know, that allowed you to sort of, not, I don't want to use the cliche, but, you know, sort of, you know, find yourself a bit more and, and discover particularly, uh, you know, what self-love meant to you. Could you tell me a bit more about that time and how that helped you? Yeah, absolutely. There's this incredible poem by a wonderful poet in Australia she's called Cindy Sherry. And there's a line in, in one of her poems and it, it says, I wear heartbreak like six inch heels. It hurts like hell, but I'll make it look beautiful. Oh, and I had that framed and I had it on my wall as a constant reminder because that's exactly how I felt that the heartbreak was awful and it was devastating and it hurt so much. And in the midst of, of one of my worst heartbreaks, I remember sitting on the floor with my back to the radiator. I think it was the closest thing that felt to being held at the time and crying my eyes out and being in a terribly heartbroken state over various things. And I remember at that moment thinking the depth of this pain will either swallow me whole or I will build something beautiful out of it. And I remember thinking, oh, right, well, then I'll just build a beautiful life from this and I will build myself back completely and differently. And I did. My whole life was markedly different before that heartbreak and after that heartbreak. And it was devastating and sad, but my God, it, it allowed me to build the life that I have now and when I think about the life that I had before this heartbreak I wouldn't want it I wouldn't want to go back to it so being so broken and I always say this when you're when you're heartbroken and all the pieces 
of yourself are shattered and they're on the floor. What you get to do is you get to pick up each one individually and turn it over and look at it and think, do I want this? Does this make me the person that I want to be? Shall I put it back in or shall I discard it? And you pick up all the pieces and you put the pieces back that you want and you leave the pieces that no longer serve you or that you don't want and you leave them out and you get to build back you and your life in a very different way. And I always think that's such a brilliant opportunity because often life will chug along day by day and we can get really swallowed by the job and the career and then the tunnel vision and the to-do list and the errands. You look up and four years have passed you by and you think, oh, everything was just so busy and hectic and I didn't have time to stop and think. Heartbreak allows you to do that. It completely shatters everything and it forces you to look at your life and reassess everything about it. And you get to then build something extraordinary. So for me, that heartbreak that I had was phenomenal. I'm so grateful for that heartbreak. And I got to then build a life that was so focused on me and my dreams and the things that I wanted and didn't worry about the people that I was meant to be in a relationship with, or the person that I was in a, a relationship with at the time, suddenly that is removed and you have so much more headspace. I think about it as a renewable source of energy. So when you are in love with someone or when you're obsessing over someone, when you're in a relationship or a situationship or you're dating or you're looking for someone to be with, so much of your energy goes into that person your headspace becomes dominated by that person. Are they going to call me? When are they going to call me? Are we going to go out for dinner? What are they thinking? How do I make this person feel loved? Are they okay? What's their mental state? You just naturally take up so much headspace and so much energy in the person that you love and that you like and that you are trying to be with or that you are with. When that person is removed from your life, all of that energy that directed into them comes back around to you and you put all of that energy back into yourself and you take the class that you wanted to take. And Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You start the hobby that you've always wanted to do, but you never quite had time in your schedule to do. And you start the business that you've always thought maybe you could start. And you channel everything back into yourself. And I think that's extraordinary. It's interesting. Your book is about friendship and how these three best friends or British Muslim women, they fall out and their lives basically go to pot. You know, they, they enter new relationships, careers, whatnot, and it just doesn't work. And it's almost the opposite of what you're saying. It's, it's sort of, you know, in a, you lose a relationship, you've, you go through heartbreak with that. And you can make something beautiful out of that, but it's the opposite there. It sounds like friendship is sustaining. Friendship is what is helping them, enabling them, as opposed to heartbreak. What's what's the difference? Why is it that the friendship that you write about in your book is actually the force for sort of empowerment and freedom for these women? And why is that different to relationships? It's a completely different relationship, right? With a platonic friendship or with a romantic relationship. And in all the years that I have been alone and in all my alonement and my alone years, there have always been my girlfriends by my side. That, that has never wavered. The women in my life have always been in my life. They've always been some of the most important relationships in my life. And I always say that without them, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. They, they have built me and they have built me back up off the bathroom floor when I've been crying on the bathroom floor post heartbreaks, post romantic heartbreaks. So for me, it takes a different kind of energy. The relationships that you have with your friends and the energy that you pour into that is very different from a romantic relationship. Personally, I think a very different energy goes into that. And also you can't talk about anything without talking about gender because it affects everything. So if you're a woman in this world and you are in a romantic relationship with a man, there is a considerable amount of energy going into that. And it might not always be the same amount of energy that's coming into it from his side. And we can just look at the data and that will tell us all the answers. You know, 70% of household labor is done by women, you know, not men. Women spend six hours a day, uh, a week, sorry, on household labor and men will spend three hours. Women are primary caregivers in a way that men aren't. So when you look at it, there is a huge amount of energy that goes in to relationships. And then that energy is skewed because of the patriarchy and gender. So women are always putting in more energy into relationships. When you meet your girlfriends, it's, it's, a, it's a meeting of equals of the same gender. And so there's a different energy I find that goes into that there is room to breathe and there is space in a friendship, right? You love your girlfriends, but you don't necessarily want to curl up on the sofa every single night with them and watch a movie. When you're in a romantic relationship and you're busy and you're both busy with your days and you're at work and you're doing this, at the end of the day, you want to curl up with your partner and the person that you love on the sofa and watch a movie and relax together. You're not going to say, actually, I'm going to spend the next four hours of this evening planning my next business. You know, I find that, in, in the single years, in the alone years, in the relationship years, 
the headspace that I have is very different in all of those years, very different. And so for me, women and female friendships are fundamentally about encouraging other women and they are you know your girlfriends you tell them you're about to do something or maybe you're going to apply for the job or maybe you're going to go for the promotion they will be your biggest cheerleaders they'll be like yes go get it we want this for you 100 percent. do your thing which is not to say the person that you love isn't going to do that of course if you're in the right relationship they will but there is still worries and fears how is that going to change my partner what will this job do to our relationship do we need to move what will the promotion do what will it do to our our joint income or what you know there's all those other considerations that you don't get with your girlfriends so for me girlfriends and your female friendships are just the most important thing in your life and they will champion and advocate for your growth they will say yes you should go on a plane and you should travel that country by yourself we'll be here when when you get back and yes you should try this new hobby it will be amazing you can tell us all about it and yes you should do this so just find them a very encouraging place you said on the Millennial Love podcast, I know you've been doing the circuit recently with uh, with book promotion, so it's been great to sort of listen to you on some of my favourites. But you said on, on this podcast, Millennial Love, that your best relationship advice is that you will lose yourself in a relationship if you don't make an effort not to. So what's your best advice in order to avoid that happening? I think you have to be really aware and really honest about it because I think we might start relationships and we might go well it's not going to happen I'm not going to lose myself but we lose ourselves multiple times in a day to different things we lose ourselves to our jobs and we lose ourselves to the to-do list and to our family and to the person that we love you know we we get overtaken with all the things to do in this life and this this life is busy and it's chaotic and it demands that you go at 110 miles per hour you know so I think we can lose ourselves to so many different avenues. So I think you have to be really honest. You have to say, I probably will, you know, the way the very structure of the world is built, it's designed for me to give a lot and I may give too much. So being very honest with yourself about it and then being very intentional about scheduling time for you. I am going to schedule this time for me to do this thing that I do by myself because it's important to me. And even the moments where you go, oh, but I'd rather just hang out with a person that I love tonight still take yourself away and spend time by yourself because also when you and I think people feel this at the beginning of relationships right when when you start something new with someone and it's this wild aphrodisiac and you're obsessed with that person and all the hormones are are kind of doing a circus in your body and it's making you just want to spend every waking moment with that person you have to in those moments still say no even in this moment where I just want to spend every waking moment cheek to cheek with you as we fall in love. No, still, still I'm going to take myself away because when you're around other people, regardless of of romantic relationships or not, regardless of gender, your headspace is not your own. And it is only when you take yourself away and you are alone that you can then really listen to yourself. And that's why I think it's important, even when you're in the throes of first love, second love, third love, whatever, when you're in the throes of passion, still make time for yourself and say, nope, I'm going to go and be alone. It's counterintuitive advice, or at least it seems it for what you want to do at the time. (laughs) But I think that that's such a great, I don't know, almost like warning, almost like a troubleshooting for the first days of falling in love, because they call it falling for a reason, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's, you're like on a roller coaster and you just go with the emotions that are whirling around your body. And it, don't get me wrong, yes, it's beautiful, it's wonderful and 
I'm all for people falling in love. But just when you're when your head is saying and your heart is saying and your loins are saying <laughs> that you want to be with this person every night, seven nights a week. Also remember, actually, uh, there has to be self-preservation and there has to be care for me. And that means that I need to listen to myself. I can't do this when I'm in the space with this other person. And we're giddily, you know, talking about our scars that we got when we were kids, you know, actually, I need to just be alone. Oh, that conversation. <laughs> it's, it's so right. There are all those like silly, I don't know, it's it's lovely, but you almost go back to that childish state of like, what's your favorite color? And <laughs> Yeah. And you just, you want to know everything about that person and you want to know, you know, how did you get this little scar on your finger? And, you know, when did you get your first bike? And of course you want to know all of those things, but also just temper them with enough alone time. I think that's great advice. I, I like what you said as well. And you actually said that this was true of friendships as well, that you surrender your headspace, that your headspace is not your own when you're with other people. Why is that? Oh, so now you might have to talk to a neurologist. You might have to talk to a psychologist. <laughs> I'm not sure. But um, I think, and I can only speak to it from my perspective as a woman, and I do keenly, and I always feel this, I feel that I've been raised in a world that taught me to give and to give everything without questioning uh, what you were giving because you have to give the most to your job and you have to give the most to your partners. You have to be the best mother and you have to be the best wife and you have to be the best daughter and, and daughters are kind and caring and nurturing. So you have to be the best for your family and you have to give to your family. And there's a different demand we place on daughters in a way that we don't place on sons, right? And we see that in the data that when you get you know, to adulthood, actually, the majority of caregivers for elderly relatives are women and it falls onto the women in the family instead of the men in the family. And so we live in this world, right? Where we give and we give and we give. I can't, I can't speak to men's headspaces in relationships. In my, in my head, they have a brilliant time and there's just all this space floating around to think, right? Um, so I can't speak to that. But as for women in relationships, and as for women in this world, when you're raised to give and give and give, when you're with someone, that's your mental state. That's your default. That's what you go to automatically. Is this person okay? How can I be more caring? How can I be more compassionate? How can I make them feel okay? How do I make them feel loved? How do I make them feel like I'm the best girlfriend they've ever had in their lives? How do I play that role? How do I be better than all the rest? How do I be the different woman that changes their perceptions of of woman, uh, womanhood and, and who women have been previously to them? How do I change everything? How do I give and give and give? Okay. I think I wrote a line in a poem years ago where I said, you know, women have to give so much that we even, we will take out our ribs just to clap them together to create more noise and celebration for men will give everything that we absolutely can and no one will thank you for it at the end. But that's what I think we're raised in. That's the climate that we're raised in. So then when you put that opposite someone in a relationship and those gender roles play out, of course you're not going to have any headspace because you're just thinking about this person. And remember, women aren't taught to be selfish. We're not taught to go after things that we want or to be selfish or to say no, because actually no is one of the worst things you can say as a woman. And I say all of these things and people will often roll their eyes at me or complain about me bringing it back to gender all the time but you cannot look at relationships and women being alone without looking at it through the lens of gender it just as far as I'm concerned it doesn't work so we live in a system where as a woman you're designed to give everything so of course when you're opposite someone you love who you want to willingly do it for anyway you're always going to be giving too much what does that leave you with for your headspace 
And that's why you need to almost proactively do those exercises of booking in that time for yourself, even when in a relationship. Exactly. It reminds me, I I got into, uh, it was, I mean, it was a few months, so let's call it a relationship at, by the end of things, <laughs> yeah. last year. But, it, you know, it was a really, it was a really wonderful time. It was, you know, it was very nice. There was that period of infatuation. But I remember when we first went on holiday together, I needed to sit down and sort of say to myself, not not aloud, but definitely in my journal, I'm going to need to spend some time by myself every day of this break. Uh, and, you, you know, on a holiday, you're with someone 24-7, but it did start as something quite artificial that I was doing, but it became something really important. And I think, you know, by the end of that, it lasted four or five months, but, you know, by the end of that time... I don't know. I felt quite grateful for it because it lasted as long as it should have, but also I hadn't lost myself in it. And that had only been because of the effort that I'd put in. And that was, you know, that was my first sort of post alonement having discovered this time uh, relationship. It was interesting. I think it really, it made it a very different kettle of fish. Absolutely. Actually, it changes the entire energy of something. And this is the truth that we don't acknowledge, that when women are giving everything to the people opposite them, they are no longer their best selves. And we don't acknowledge that. And actually, it's in everyone's interests for women to be able to have that time, have that alonement so that they can show up better. I know that I show up better for my friends when I've had time alone. I show up better for my family when I've had time alone. I know that I will be a better version of myself when I have had time by myself. So actually, it's a win for everyone. It is. And it's a great way to sell it because it can be hard to justify to someone who doesn't understand the value of alone time, why you need it. But it's true. And I think you said, I think it was actually on Brian Gordon's Mad World podcast, that when you lose yourself in a relationship, you're not the person that they fell in love with anyway. And I think that was so powerful to acknowledge. Right. You've disappeared at that point. If you've lost yourself and you've given all your best parts away, you're no longer that person they first met. And you're not bringing your best self to the table. You're not bringing the version of yourself that that person fell in love with. And then, of course, tensions will build up, won't they? <laughs> Sorry for that edit note, Van. Um, we're getting towards the end of this episode, but there's a part of a poem that you wrote that I wanted to ask you about because I think it almost... Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 it's another one of those things that I read and I think, oh, this is alonement. So the poem goes... Loneliness does not live in empty rooms, in dinners for one, or in the silence of a still bed. It is in the packed crowds and couples who clutch settlements in intertwined fingers. It is in the arms of the boy you know you cannot be with, yet the place you always return. I wanted to ask you specifically about the beginning of that poem, because I think it speaks so much to alonement, how we we visualise certain things. We visualise those empty rooms, those dinners for one, but that silence of a still bed. But actually, that's a very different space right it's very different it's not the same thing at all and that's the the dominant narrative isn't it that if you are alone god forbid you are sleeping by yourself and it's terrible and you're eating dinner by yourself and it's terrible and actually what about when you're in a packed room and you've never felt more lonely what about when you're in a packed room and you don't relate to anyone in that room and you feel like a fish out of water and you feel like there is no one, not a single soul, surrounded by all these people, there is not a single soul that understands me in this room or that I resonate with. That, that for me is so crushingly lonely. I think I have been the loneliest I have ever been in the arms of someone I shouldn't have been with. 
in the arms of someone who wasn't right for me. And when you both of you couldn't make it work and yet you still, despite your best intentions or despite the right thing, you still found your yourself in each other's arms and in each other's beds, knowing that come tomorrow, this still doesn't work and come tomorrow, we still don't end up together and come tomorrow, nothing's changed. And then to be in their arms and to be in that bed sometimes has been the loneliest times of my life. Or when you're in bed with someone who maybe you just took home because you wanted physical gratification. And actually the minute it's over, you don't know why that person is there and you don't want that person. And that's all things happening and coming from, you know, really sad and bad places. But actually that loneliness that hits when you've been with someone and they're still there in your bed or in your house and you just want them to leave and that it's just you and you know that there is nothing for you to say to this person and you have nothing in common or, you know, they're lonely moments to me. They're heartbreakingly lonely moments to me. I've had some gorgeous dinners by myself. I've traveled the world by myself. I've been wildly happy traveling the world. You know, 2017, I went around Australia and Bali for like a month and a half. I've never been happier. It was glorious. It was earth shatteringly great. I had the best time and I was all by myself for those times. So for me, it's it's very much about, you know, lonely and alone and how we define those two things and lonely actually coming in very different ways to the ways traditionally we've been told that it comes and that alone there is such beauty to be found there and there are there are so many good times for you to have alone and I think that's pretty remarkable I think it's pretty remarkable we don't talk about it which brings us so naturally to my final question what is your alonement what is my alonement? That's such a hard question to answer because I have so many. I don't think I can define my alonement as one thing. Sometimes my alonement is putting my music in and going for a walk by the river and going for a long walk all by myself because I love that. I love most of my good ideas as a writer come to me when I'm walking, when my body is moving. That's some of my happiest alonement. That's what alonement is to me. And then at the same time, alonement to me is packing a bag and getting on a plane, a train, a bus and traveling somewhere all by myself and experiencing the world all by myself. And in doing so, meeting new versions of myself in these different countries, that's alonement. You know, alonement for me is being at home by myself all evening and having my own place and no one else being in the walls of this house. And pottering about my home, fixing things, tidying up a little bit, taking a bubble bath, reading on my sofa. They're all beautiful alonements for me as well. So kind of all of those things, I, I found it really hard to pick one. It's like a Sophie's Choice question. But yeah, I would say it's a real mix of, of all of them. But I suppose the thing that ties them together is, is when I am so delighted to be alone. Because in all of those scenarios, I have moments where I am so ecstatic that I'm by myself I remember you know in the pandemic in the first lockdown I was you know I was living alone and had done for years and as the world shut down and everything stopped I remember how I I had just resolved lots of emotional things I had been working through and I remember there were times where I would walk through my house all by myself 
and I would giggle out loud. I would genuinely laugh out loud because I was so delighted to be alone and be by myself and be alone in my home. I genuinely laughed out loud with with sheer joy of it. I adore that. <laughs> I think maybe the contentment that comes when I'm alone is the thing that ties it all together. Oh, I love that image of you. And, you know, we were talking earlier about a lust for being alone. I think yours is contagious. I think you've given <laughs> me and probably a lot of listeners to this, you know, the chance to fall in love with it all over again, just see those examples. Mm-hmm. So thank you. I think definitely more was more in terms of that answer. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I am such an advocate of people being alone, women especially. I always say so. All the women that I meet or all the women that I know that are younger than me, I always say be alone. You, you must be alone for a significant amount of years. It will be the best thing that you've ever done. The alone years. Wonderful. Yeah. Selma, it's been such a joy to speak to you. Thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely having this conversation, which we don't have enough. But thankfully, on your podcast, we do. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Alonement. If you loved this episode, then you know what I would really like you to do is to share it with someone that you think would benefit. That's all from me. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.